Welcome to the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. My name is J.R. Everhart from Restoration Ministries. I am super stoked to be here today and to uh, talk to you. I have been like beating myself over the head uh, trying to get in here and get another uh, episode up, especially after you know a great season three opener episode that uh, really, I think, maybe had a record amount of uh listenership, you know, and that sort of thing. So I am super stoked to be here. Really just been wrestling with God about, you know, what direction I need to go in right now. There's about 20 different things that he is showing me and uh, talking to me about. So it's always hard to just whittle everything down into what just this week's episode would be. Um, But, you know, let me ask you a question. Today, we're going to kind of talk about, you know, taking some, you know, uncomfortable medicine so that we can feel better. Remember when mom used to give us that black crude oil looking stuff on a tablespoon, never teaspoons, always a tablespoon. You know, we hated it and fought it with everything in us, but it always made us feel better. Today's message is sort of kind of like that. So you do not want to miss a second of today's show. All right, I'll be back in 60 seconds. Hi, I want to talk to you for a second about my company, COP Audio. COP Audio has been a leader in the Mid-Atlantic since about the mid-90s with all forms of production work, um, both inside the church and outside the church. Uh, We're well known for our mobile audio services and production services for live concerts and festivals. Um, But we also have just as rich of a history inside the church scene. Uh, Church production has definitely been a passion of mine since I became a a Christian in 1994. Um, I have worn many hats during this time inside of... um, you know, the church scene, you know, things like having to be light designer and video producer, teacher, you know, training staff, uh, been tech director at a couple different churches. Um, it's something that I've always been very passionate about and genuinely felt like it was part of my Christian ministry. Um, I've trained personally dozens and dozens of tech people and tech staff uh, throughout the Mid-Atlantic. I've traveled around and done Uh, sound reinforcement workshops and AV workshops um, on site with the church tech teams that I'm working with, trying to help them to get the best out of the systems that they have in place. So, you know, give us a call, check us out. Uh, We'd love to help out your church. We'd love to maybe even talk to you about uh, doing a system upgrade or an install. Um, Maybe you just need someone to come in and make sense of the gear that you have. That's my specialty, you know, and I've been doing that for many, many years. So uh, check us out online at copaudio.com. That's copaudio.com. Be sure to check out and like our Facebook page, COP Audio. Just search COP Audio on Facebook. Uh, Be sure to read our reviews on the Facebook page. There's a lot of reviews on there from our clients. And um, I think it'll give you some, some perspective on who we are as a company. So again, online, copaudio.com, copaudio.com. Hello and welcome back. Um, let's see here. Where do we even begin today? Um, thanks for tuning in, by the way. Let me just start off with saying that uh, the podcast is growing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and more and more people are listening to this. Uh, we are far from being, you know, <laughs> a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> to be reckoned with, if I can speak. See, this is why I'm not in, like, the Radio Hall of Fame right here. Because I can barely speak the English language. And uh, those of you that have suffered through three seasons of this, you're probably sitting there a lot of times like, J.R. can barely speak the English language, you know? So he needs to go back to school, but hey... That's what I get with my, uh, you know, super cool public education right there. Anyways, um, thanks for tuning in, you know. Thanks for uh, sharing the episodes with your friends and uh, spreading the word of um, God's work in my life. I think that's super awesome. It's never about me, and I am in no way, shape, or form trying to be some kind of... uh, yeah, tycoon superpower, you know, for the faith in any other way than just getting the message of Jesus Christ out there to the world. So, um, 
it's really cool to kind of see things developing the way they are. Honestly, guys, I didn't even know if there was going to be a season three. Um, I talked a little bit about that, you know, uh, last week, but, you know, seeing the numbers uh, from, I said last week, I guess it was like two or three weeks ago, because life is just kicking my rear end and I'm trying to keep up here. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I was just kind of like, I don't know if this is really doing any good. And uh, I guess that was the enemy, you know, and I guess uh, it's doing something because uh, I'm getting a lot of really positive feedback from you guys. Um, It's really drawing people who need help uh, into my my field of vision and into my pathway. And I am extremely, extremely grateful for that. Um, There is no more fulfilling and rewarding thing in my life personally than being able to point somebody toward the cross, you know, and being able to, and I'm not just talking about salvation, uh, because a lot of these people are already confessing Christians, but they're people who are breaking free of their traditional, um, maybe church mold. I I really don't know the right term for that. Um, they're breaking free of maybe some church politics or, uh, a ideology that they grew up with that doesn't really line up with the Bible, you know, and that sort of thing that came from their, their church background. Um, I tend to say it's a lot of people who's on the church suffer bus, you know, they're, they're people who have just been walked on and beat up by the church and, and uh, I am trying to gently point them toward, <laughs> you know, the gospel in a way that, that makes sense. And uh, I, I can't express how unimportant I really am, you know, and how small that I am specifically in my own eyes. And I am working feverishly to stay that way, you know, because pride is definitely something I struggle with. So you pray for me, okay? And I just wanted to take a second out of the podcast here at the the top of the game and just say thank you. Thank you for, you know, doing what you do, tuning in, and uh, hopefully God is using this to his glory. Um, On that, please, because I know some people check out at the end of the message content of the podcast and don't listen to the outro, but please like and review this you know, on your Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know some of the formats don't give you the ability to do that, but if it does, it would be super groovy if you would kind of give me a five-star review and put a sentence or two in there about how this has blessed you. That way people who are just generally searching, you know, a recovery or Christian living type self-help podcasts, um, they, they tend to read those reviews, you know, so they know what they're getting into. And if this is something that they want to, uh, take time out of their day to check out, I mean, I do that with the podcasts that I listen to. Um, so it would be, you know, super cool if you guys could help me out with that. That way we can just keep paying it forward and keep giving God the glory in all this. So today's, uh, the title of today's message is, uh, just take your medicine. Is that what I put it in? Yeah. Take your medicine. And it's, it's kind of analogized. I don't even know if that's a word. I haven't watched enough Jeopardy this week to get my vocabulary correct. Um, you know, it's, it's an analogy that I'm using to try and talk about how sometimes truth can be really tough to get down. You know, sometimes it can be tough to swallow that little jagged pill. This was actually inspired from a Facebook post that I put up, which let me go ahead and plug that stuff while we're at it. Um, go to Restoration Ministries on Facebook, hit the like button, and then go to the Truth Labyrinth uh, Facebook page and, you know, smash the like button there. Um, and, and share the stuff that I post up on there because I post, you know, links, direct links through anchor, um, into the uh, podcast for people who don't know how to operate like Apple podcasts or Spotify or Google podcasts. I know for some of you, that sounds ridiculous. Okay. But you would be shocked. I mean, literally shocked at the people who tell me they have no idea how to listen to podcasts. That blows my mind, but I'm also a tech guy. So, I mean, that's, you know, I guess it should make sense for me. It's kind of, I'm kind of tech savvy that way, you know? Um, but when you share those links, especially off the uh, Truth Labyrinth page, then it, um, 
it's a direct link, you know, to the anchor thing. They can look, listen to the podcast through their web browser and that sort of thing really just makes it a little easier for those who are technically inclined, you know, um, or maybe not technically inclined again, radio hall of fame going there, you know? Um, so yeah, so here, I'm just going to read the Facebook post I put up today. It had some really positive, uh, responses from that. And uh, I'm like, yeah, this is a good subject just to get in here. And we're going to, we're going to dissect this a little bit. I'm going to freestyle on it a little bit and we're going to get super groovy and uh, God's going to be glorified. So here's the post. Sometimes the jagged little pill of truth is just what the doctor ordered. The question is, are you humble enough to receive it? Pride only writes checks we're rarely able to cash. It's a failed sense of entitlement built on fake confidence about things we only think we know. Many times a a protective knee-jerk reaction to hide our insecurities and feed denial. This process makes us emotionally numb and unable to process feelings like fear and anxiety in a healthy way. Isolation is a death sentence in this situation and fuels a cycle of insane failure. We tell ourselves we can handle this or that and, uh, on our own when really connection is what we need most. But with connection comes those reflections of truth that sting and challenge. Um, some, oh, so where does this all leave us? Well, there's two options. You get better or you get bitter. It's really our choice. We either continue to tell ourselves that we can handle things on our own or stay on the roller coaster of dysfunction. Um, Yeah, let me read that again. We either continue to tell ourselves, it's horrible when you can't read your own writing, you know what I'm saying? And it's text. It's not like it's really horrible cursive. It's just the English language. We either continue to tell ourselves that we can handle things on our own and stay on the roller coaster of dysfunction, or we face our fear of connection and join a support system that challenges us to be better people and stop isolating. Uh, This is just a passing thought from this morning. I'll probably discuss this further in a podcast later today, because when I wrote it, I really felt like, um, I really felt like, you know, okay, yeah, this is hitting a nerve. It's seriously just right off the top of my head you know, kind of thing there. And sometimes while I'm writing it out, I feel the little nudge of the Holy Spirit like, yeah, this should be the next episode on the Truth Labyrinth podcast. So here we are. So let's dissect this. Uh, So the first part, sometimes that jagged little pill of truth is just what the doctor ordered. The question is, are you humble enough to receive it? Uh, And then my note here is talk about having an honest desire to change, but unable to receive wisdom. I just had a conversation with uh, a guy that I am sponsoring about not being in a place to receive wisdom. And he kind of looked at me sideways like, dude, I'm, I'm a grown man. I'm grown. You know, I can, I'm, not a, I'm not stupid. I'm not an idiot. And I was like, dude, that's not what I'm saying, man. Hear me out. Um, and I was like, well, man, look at it this way. How many times have you told your kids to that they shouldn't do this or they shouldn't do that or explain to them why they're being punished for breaking a rule or something like that. And it it just does not take root. It goes right over their head. They're not hearing it. Well, it's because they weren't mature enough or they weren't in a place where they could actually receive that wisdom. We all struggle with that. That never goes away. Even though we may be arrogantly prideful in thinking that we can you know, know all things, which we're going to touch on that here in just a minute. Um, we, we really don't, you know, and it, there's no shame in not knowing, you know, where you are or not knowing, you know, the truth that's being laid in front of you. Sometimes I pray constantly for God to reveal his truth to me as if I'm a five-year-old because, man, I just miss it. I do. I really do. He'll put it right in front of me and I'll drive right by it like I don't see that house on fire, you know. And that's just kind of how, how it works for me. So we're not always ready to hear what God is trying to say to us, you know. Um, some, yeah, man, I can't tell you how many times I've looked back across my life and been like, 
wow, like, you know, how did I miss that? Like they always say hindsight is twenty twenty. you know? Well, man, I'm trying to like make my forward sight 2020, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And really the only way you can do that is just to stay connected and all the things we're going to lay out in this jagged little pill of truth. Uh, so I have a note here about blindness, Second Corinthians 4.4, 4. I have that here somewhere already pulled up. Yes, uh, in their case, um, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In the context of that is that you're basically talking about people who refuse to believe and people who, you know, just kind of want to go their own way and consciously um, view themselves as an enemy to the gospel of Christ and how he just kind of turns them over to the God of this world, you know, and the God of this world has, you know, blinded them. Uh, the Bible uses the scales analogy, like there's scales in their eyes. Actually, I did a Google search about scales falling off of our eyes, you know, from the Bible. It was 58 verses. Now, I'm not going to sit here and bore you with all 58 verses, but there's some stuff in here that was you know, crazy cool, you know, um, and acts nine eighteen, And I think this was a physical healing. It says, uh, and immediately something like scales fell off his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Uh, then the eyes, I see Isaiah 35, five, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the death unstopped. Those are physical healings. Uh, but then here is a spiritual you know, eye-opening, you know, scripture, Psalms 119, 18, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. Man, that is a deep statement, you know, having a desire to really want to see God's law revealed to us and, and his love that's behind that law to try and, you know, keep us as pure as we can, understanding and knowing that you know, we're not going to get it right. That's why I sent Jesus. Don't get me wrong. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, there's a, you know, if you want to do a, a Google search and get into that, there's 58 verses there. Uh, I think I Googled uh, sky or scales fall from their eyes, Bible scripture or something like that. And, and that is a great little probably 15-minute little verse Bible study thing that you can do. Not everyone is ready for truth. Some will need to suffer many horrible things from their own bad decisions before they ever get to a place where they can admit that they need help. That's a uh, jagged little pill there, guys. Let me read it again. Not everyone is ready for the truth. Some will need to suffer many horrible things from their own bad decisions before they ever get to a place that they can admit they need help. Yeah. I am currently working with, just here locally, within the last 30 days, I've had six, seven people uh, cross my path that I am uh, regularly sowing positive truth into, uh, whether I'm their sponsor or I'm just someone who's, you know, God has brought them into my life and I am encouraging them um, and I have had this conversation several times with, with those guys, you know, uh, there's no one specifically here that I'm talking about. Cause I would never, you know, infringe on that confidentiality that I have with these guys, but there is an overwhelming theme that I see, not just with these guys, but guys that I have been working with for the last 10 years, you know, that either they themselves or maybe a wife or, or a kid in the family or a parent you know, is someone that is really toxic in their life and they're people who refuse to go to counseling and every time they do, they find a reason why, you know, that person's a, a jerk and, you know, not, not stroking them and telling them that nothing's their fault. And guys, I got news for you, man. I've been in and out of counseling since I was 19 years old. So I am, I am right now, Golly, I can't believe it. Like, my mind is blown. I'm putting all the pieces together right now as we speak. 
Yeah, that's I'll be I'm 49, so I'll be 50 this year. So I mean, that's like you know a very very long decades that I have been in and out of counseling. And I'm still trying to not be that guy who has all his own answers. You know, I'm still trying to be that guy who is soft-hearted and can receive instruction. So, I mean, I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody. You know, I mean, I you know, I see it a lot in in my counseling ministry, but that doesn't um <laughs> that doesn't mean it hasn't been operating in my life for a very long time. Pride always writes checks we are rarely able to cash. It's a failed sense of entitlement built on fake confidence about things we only think we know. Uh, My note about that is talk about pop psychology and the entitlement movement. Uh, That's just tons of fun. Um, We're all afraid of being seen wrong about something. Many of us place enormous amounts of self-validation on having all the answers to our problems. This is a very toxic behavior because it means that we're unteachable. If you think you have all your own answers, how can anyone help you, including God? You know, pop psychology is a a trend these days. Like how many people are addicted to watching Dr. Phil and, you know, stuff like that. Every everybody is analyzing everybody now and everyone is a novice shrink, you know, or a novice counselor and, you know, that sort of thing with no real training, just, you know, they, they listen to a couple podcast episodes or they, you know, <laughs> they watch a lot of Dr. Phil and they think that they have some ability to look into other people's lives. Um, there's a huge pride thing behind that, you know, of just wanting to know all the answers. That desire of wanting to know all the answers and having to see everything that God's doing in our lives is very toxic because you can't have faith if you have all your own answers. You can't have faith if you have the answers to all the problems in your life. It's impossible. It, it, you, you can't do it. I mean, it, it's there's no way you can formulate that to where it's going to create faith in your life. It's like when people come to me and they say, I just want to know what God's will is in my life, and I want to walk that out. And I'm like, well, man, that's super easy. Uh, God's will is not knowing. God's will is putting one foot in front of the other and trying to be the best version of you you can be today. God's will is not letting the shame of yesterday and the worry of tomorrow rob you of right now. God's will is not knowing all the answers. Oh, that doesn't make you feel warm and fuzzy? Oh, okay, so let me restructure the question. What you really want to know is the future. You want me to look into a crystal ball like you do down at, you know, Madam Knows a Lot, you know, it's going to read your palm and put some, you know, some tarot cards on the table and tell you what's what's going to happen in your life. That's what you really want. You want to know the future so you can structure your life in a way to where it it can support that future or maybe somehow change it if it's something that you don't like. God does not operate that way. That is pagan religion 101. That's not the way Christianity is structured, nor it is, is it the way we should want to be. Look, we all live in fear and trembling each and every day. The Bible says we are to seek out our salvation in fear and trembling. We all live in fear and trembling to some degree trying to stay within the boundaries of what God's will is in our life. There's many times we have to, you know, walk that narrow path through the dark forest of this world and really try not to slip off the path into, you know, this distraction or that distraction or when the path, you know, circles around a mountainside and there's a hundred foot cliff, not fall off that cliff. And sometimes we are walking so close to the edge because God is trying to challenge us and because he's trying to grow us uh, by knocking us out of our comfort zone that man, it just, you know, it feels weird. And I mean, I know people who are bound up by legalistic Christian teaching from their childhood who really struggles to understand that process. It really struggles that, you know, we don't have God figured out. Yes, he's bound by his word. Yes, he is sovereign on top of that and can pretty much do what he wants to do. But at the same time, he, he's always good and he's always working all things toward the good to those that love him. And if you're someone who calls yourself a Christian or 
at least wants to discover the truth of who God really is so it can bring some purpose to your own life, then it requires that clumsy, messy, sometimes smelly, you know, narrow path. That narrow path leads through swamps and leads through, you know, uh, raw sewage laying along the trail and, you know, things like that. I mean, it's, that's just life. It's, it's not up in the nosebleed seats. It's down in the dugout, you know, hearing the crack of the bat and maybe going to get hit by a foul ball. That's what real Christianity looks like. It's not a cookie cutter, squeaky clean walk. And if it is, then, um, you're probably not doing it right. Let me read you another scripture. And I wasn't even going to bring this one up. So you're getting this one free of charge, baby. First John 1, starting in verse 8, If we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Man, think about that last statement there. If we claim we have not sinned, I'm talking to all you high horse Christians or all you people, you control freaks who think that you got it all figured out and think that you don't need anyone's help. If we claim that we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar because God looked at us in all our wretchedness and in all our brokenness and said, you need a savior, dude. You need somebody that can come down there and take care of this for you because you're just not going to get it right. And out of his great love for the world, the whole world, that's even gay people and people outside the faith. That's even, you know, the person on the other side of the political aisle from you. God loved the world so much that he sent his only son to die for us. That whosoever, how many whosoever's do we have listening? Raise your hand. Ain't even nobody around. Just raise it. It's all good. If you're at the gym, that's going to be awesome because they're going to be like, what are they raising their hand for over there? Because I'm a whosoever. That's why. Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. How much easier does it get, guys? That's really the fundamental you know, parameters of the gospel. So let's keep, let's keep moving forward here. Many times this uh, protective, let me see what we were talking about. We were talking about pride and how it writes checks we're rarely able to cash. So many times this is a protective knee-jerk reaction to hide our insecurities and feed denial. And then my note is to talk about pain, the pain of facing our junk. Oh, yeah, this, this, is, this is a nice little jagged pill here to try and get down your throat with a glass of orange juice. It's not fun looking into the mirror of God's word or even the mirror of our decisions and having to accept that at our core we are broken and wretched. That we will never have it all together. But the second we can get to a place where we can accept this truth about ourselves is when God is made strong in our weakness. And then I have 2 Corinthians 12, so let's go on up over there. Second Corinthians 12, but he said to me, this was Paul, you know, rapping with God, like, look, dude, I got some business down here going on in my life that I'm not cool with. Uh, I would refer you back to Romans 7, where you're struggling with sin. In this case, he's talking about a thorn in his flesh. For thousands of years, we've been trying to figure out exactly what that was. Uh, we don't know, but it was something that was jacking Paul up. And uh, Paul asked God to take it away from him. Like, look, dude, I can be a much better apostle, you know, if I didn't have this going on in my life. I can't tell you how many times I've thought about that in my own life. Like, Lord, I could be a much better Christian if I didn't have to struggle with X, Y, and Z. Or I didn't have to struggle with fill in the blank, whatever it is, anger, pride, resentment, disappointment, depression, anxiety, you know, whatever. It all fits into this, into this mold here. And this is how God replied to Paul. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
For my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul responds with, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. There's a message you don't hear in church every Sunday morning. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why would you boast about your weaknesses? Because it's part of your testimony. Your testimony has huge amounts of power in connecting with other people. The biggest problem that has always plagued the church, at least in my lifetime, has been the high horse mentality. And boy, this is a whole nother podcast that I could get into here. So I'm going to give you the little Cliff Notes version of it. The whole high horse Christianity thing has created a culture where if you're not perfect, you're not accepted in the church. You're not allowed to be in our little country club that we call the first first church in the refrigerator down the street, you know? You can't come in if you don't look like us, act like us, talk like us, believe like us, go to the same places we go, watch the same movies we watch, listen to the same music that we listen to. And if you disagree with anything anybody says, especially the pastor, you're shunned. Shunned. Shamed forever. Well... You know, people aren't stupid, dude. (laughs) Who wants to sign up for that mess? I don't. I don't want to sign up for that mess. I want something real and genuine. And when someone sets across the room from me and opens up and gets like gut level honest about their struggles and about their weaknesses, there's huge amounts of power in that. And it totally dis destroys that whole high horse, you know, churchy, churchy, cookie cutter Christianity, you know, bull butter that can sometimes be in meetings that are supposed to be a safe place. I never hesitate to throw my dirty laundry on the table in in a controlled group environment where I'm at a a recovery group or in in a men's meeting or even one-on-one. Because it's, it communicates that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to admit that you have problems with sin. Because the reality of it is, you really weren't fooling anybody to begin with. We all know that you had sin. Some of us see it like right on the surface of who you are. But maybe you're like the Houdini of sin and you like to hide your sin. And you're very good at hiding your sin. And you're you know, exquisite at putting the mask on and never letting anyone see you know, the creepy candy coating that lives underneath of, you know, what you call your walk with Christ. Look, God's grace is sufficient for all things, even the high horse Christian. I'm not trying to bust you up. If that's hitting home with you, well, I'll put it this way. If it makes you mad, you're probably one of those people. And I'm not trying to, like, bust you up. I'm trying to challenge you to maybe think about your walk with Christ in different terms and think about how your walk with Christ affects people around you. Because when you're the high horse Christian in your work environment, dude, it's only a matter of time before the enemy uses your next failure to show everyone in the office how Christianity has no power in your life. But when you come to the table confessing Christ and got your dirty laundry out there, like, yeah, I'm kind of wretched. I'm kind of kind of smelly every now and then, and I don't always make the right decisions. That's palatable. That's something people can grab a hold of. And that's what Paul's getting at here. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, insults, and hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. That's a wide range of stuff going on right there. I'm hoping that makes sense to you. Because it's it's hitting the nail on the head in my life. So why is this? Why is... Uh, why is these things like, why are these things like working in our life? Why are these things getting in the way? Pride is always at the foundation of that. It's through our brokenness that we get out of the way of God's purpose of growing us. Let me say that again. It's through our brokenness that we get out of the way, our little agendas get set aside, our little plans to fix ourselves get set aside. We're broken. And we're completely bankrupt as to how we're going to fix ourselves. That's when God's purpose 
of growing us can take root. He's trying to pull purpose out of our problems. Get out of the way of that process by becoming brave enough to let your pride go and allow God and the people that he sent into your life to speak into your life. But I promise you, it will be uncomfortable. Sometimes it's super awesome. And, you know, the group that I'm part of, we're sitting around laughing and, you know, kind of poking fun at each other and, and talking football or whatever it is that us guys do at the, in, in the moment. And it's awesome. Then there's other times where people are sharing about real hurt and pain and about real struggles. Things that eat away at our very manhood. Things that make us feel like dirt constantly. I just had a conversation with a very dear friend of mine just like two nights ago. And he was sharing with me some things that he had journaled that really resounded with me because all those lies that the enemy was telling him were the same exact lies he was trying to tell me. And it was a moment. We kind of shared a moment there. It was very special. And it was God. And that's why connection is so important. But many times, you know, we are so buried under these layers of denial, we can't get to a place where we can receive that wisdom and let it take root. So we have to address our denial first and foremost. That's why it's always step one in every 12-step program, denial step one. Denial makes us emotionally numb and unable to process feelings like fear and anxiety in a healthy way. Isolation is a death sentence in this situation and fuels a cycle of insane failure. That whole last sentence I'm going to have to talk about. Isolation is a death sentence in this situation. Isolation is where the enemy will sit there and feed your head full of every accusational lie and, and just junk. You realize that the enemy has no power over you, none, zero power. He's never made anyone do anything. All he does is lay the temptation in front of you and tell you that's what's best for you, trying to get you to identify with who he wants you to be. The same way God's trying to get you to identify with Christ, to identify with the godly nature that we see written out in the Bible. The choice is ours which way we go. It's totally within our control. The only power the enemy can even remotely use is our power that we willingly give over to him. So he has no authority in our life. Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning and he'll always be a murderer, that he's the father of lies. And he will tell us all kinds of nasty, ugly stuff. But you know what? The more we connect with other people and the more that we, you know, here we're going to talk here in a second about the reflections of the people around us. You know, we get the encouragement of the people around us. We get the challenging, uncomfortable truth from the people around us. It totally robs the enemy of that voice that he has in our head when we're isolated. Isolation is the absolute enemy of any form of sobriety, whether it's chemical or compulsive behavior, any sort of sobriety. And you can go to any 12-step program on the planet, and they'll all tell you the same thing. Isolation is not a healthy thing for us. And then the second part of that sentence is it fuels a cycle of insane failure. We get stuck in these cycles of failure, and the reason that they're insane is because the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Like, if you're going to fight with your husband about the same thing over and over and over, don't get mad when you have the same dysfunctional result over and over and over. If you're going to fight with your parents about the same conversation or the same activity you think you're entitled to do and they don't think you should do it, where do you, you think that the, the 16th time you have that conversation is going to, it's going to somehow take you to a different place? That's not how it works. 
if nothing changes, nothing changes. So we have to change the question. We have to change our behavior. We have to react differently to things. We have to learn to be an actor instead of a reactor. That's an ACA principle. You just got that for free. How do you like that? Yeah. You know, I'm going to start like a frequent flyer car. We'll just punch them. You know, you get enough, you know, uh, uh, truth there, then you'll get a free truth at the end. You know what I'm saying? Like a free cup of coffee at Cheats or something. <laughs> it's one of those podcasts today. All right. I'm just in that kind of mood. So, yeah, I mean, at what point are we going to step off the, you know, insanity roller coaster and start making some different decisions? Because if if you're making the same decision, I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, well, I have tried this a thousand times and I just can't seem to get, you know, this, that, or the other, or I can't get them to do this, or I can't get, you know, this person to do that. There's always some kind of thing like that as part of the conversation. Well, how about like working on you instead of them? How about changing your focus? How about taking a real hard look in the mirror and saying, how am I, you know, contributing to the dysfunction around me in whatever the relationship is? It could be a relationship with your brother or sister. It could be a relationship with your boss at work, your best friend, your husband, your wife, your niece, nephew, whatever. We're constantly surrounded by that. That's not by accident. It's by design because God knows we're healthiest when we are connected to other people through those connections, there's some dysfunction. There's not always a happy ending. And many times we have very serious and validated questions we may never get answers to. So at what point do you walk away from the table and say, I'm going to quit chasing answers that are just not there? I know people right now that are completely brainwashed and jacked up to the moon over political stuff, stuff they have absolutely no control over, things that haven't even happened yet. I mean, ate up, ready to go to war, you know? They're the people who are like lost in all the conspiracy theories and talking about civil war and all this other crazy. I'm like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes here, dude. You're talking about stuff that has not even happened yet. Or at the very least, things you have no control over. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not wasting one second of my life here worrying about that stuff. I got. I can be all jacked up and dysfunctional all on my own without all the politics and without all the you know, you know, political bullcrap that separates people. You guys have got to understand there is a division agenda that has come from the lowest legions of hell operating inside of our society the enemy is trying to divide us and the more we connect with each other and love each other in spite of our differences of opinion then the more we'll war off all that junk that is trying to come down the pipe and we'll realize that the guy that lives next door that's you know on the other side of the political aisle for me is actually a decent human being just going to work trying to support his family and keep his yard mowed you know, it's not rocket science, guys. You know, it's when we listen to the voices of this junk on TV that we get all jacked up over all that stuff. And I don't even know how we got down that rabbit hole, but you know, I may have to pay you for that one because it really wasn't all that great. We tell ourselves that we can handle this or that on our own when really connection is what we need most. But with connection comes those reflections of truth that sting and challenge. I think I did in season one. I can't remember because I'm getting old and can't remember stuff anymore. Um, I think in season one, there might have been an episode about reflections. When I say reflections, what I'm meaning is um, if your boss comes to you and says, hey, you're fired, and, you, and your reflection is anger and disappointment, there's a reflection. Well, we, we digest those reflections from our social network all the time. The people around us are constantly giving us reflections. Uh, people we don't even know are speaking to us through body language and stuff like that. How many times have you been in a room and it's like you haven't even met the person on the other side of the room and you're like, that person doesn't like me. I can just tell by the way they're looking at me and the way they're acting. I can just tell that they don't like me. Well, that's a reflection. So when we get in these social environments – um, 
trying to better ourselves, then, you know, those reflections can sometimes sting, you know, and they should challenge us because look, if you're surrounded by a bunch of, let me put it this way. I heard an analogy last week that was super, super cool. So I'm just going to give you this one. This is going to be another punch card in a frequent flyer thing. I heard a guy talking about how there's three types of people. There's dolphins. Uh, dolphins are always in groups. They always stick together. They defend each other. They help each other in need. They hunt together. They recreational, you know, vacation together or whatever, you know. They're like really got each other's back. Those are dolphins. Then there's sharks. Sharks just kind of bite at whatever gets close to them, you know, especially if you poke at them a little bit. Uh, sometimes a shark will bite you just for no reason, just because you were standing next to them. So there's sharks in this world too. Then there's tuna. That's the third. Tuna are always victims. They're always going to be super high maintenance. They will be an emotional leech on you. They will drain every bit of joy and happiness that you could ever even possibly hope to have in your life. They're never going to be conquerors. Now, that doesn't mean that the tuna can't become dolphin, you know, through, you know, some challenging growth and getting in a support system that can help them become dolphins or, you know, same thing with the sharks. People can move from one, you know, fish to the other, which I know a dolphin's not a fish. Work with me. But it made me think about my life. I'm like, okay, we should be surrounding ourselves with dolphins. We should be surrounding ourselves with people who see the beauty in us, love us, and support us, and people that I enjoy supporting and reciprocating all that and giving that support back to them and loving them and all that kind of stuff. And I need to be very cautious around the sharks because I work in recovery and recovery is full of sharks, you know, so it's like shark tank, believe me. You know, so you got to you know, be careful as you navigate that and then put distance between you and the tuna, but always be willing to help the tuna because the tuna needs help. They're broken. We're all broken, really, but they're really broken. And they don't understand that they're tuna. They may even think they're sharks. They may even think they're dolphins. They may be totally blinded by their denial that they think they're something completely different. That's how we got to kind of navigate the people that we decide to connect with. So let's bring this on home. So where does this uh, leave us? Well, there's two options. We can either get better or we can get bitter. It's our choice. We either continue to tell ourselves that we can handle things on our own and stay on the roller coaster of dysfunction, or we face our fear of connection and join a support system that challenges us to uh, be better people and stop isolating. That's pretty much the whole thing here in a nutshell, you know, that is where we're at. You're going to be one or the other. And I just had a conversation with someone the other day who was, had come to me asking for information about recovery and, and that sort of thing. And I have no idea where their real motives were about it, but they sort of kind of came off like they were just, you know, jumping through some hoops that they maybe had to jump through because to appease someone else or because they had to do this or something like that. And um, I had to say some uncomfortable things to this person. And it made me uncomfortable to say it. I hate being that guy, but I love this person enough to tell them the truth. You know, and I, if you talk to the people who's, you know, who's walked with me in recovery and, you know, uh, set in some of the classes I've taught and stuff like that, they'll all tell you the same thing, that I'm kind of a straight shooter kind of guy anyways. If I ever, like, come off harsh to you, I don't really mean to ever be harsh, but it's just sort of the way I am, you know? Uh, I'm broken, too, and I don't always get it right, and sometimes I'm harsh for the wrong reasons. I just had to apologize some, to someone last night over uh, just being full of myself about two years ago or something when they had reached out to me asking for, you know, prayer about something going on in their life, and it... It busted me up, man. You know, I, I I was a jerk about it and, you know, came off like a know-it-all and did more damage than I did good, you know, and I hate that. I, I absolutely hate that. But you know what? I'm trying to figure it out too, okay? I'm not, I have not arrived. God's not done with me. I'm still in the evolutionary process of, you know, emotional maturity and, and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I'm giving it my good 
good Christian effort here, you know, and I, I'm doing the best that I can do, but I don't hit the mark all the time. And I had to own that. And I had to apologize for that. And I meant it with all my heart. And I really hope that, you know, uh, I think it really did. I think it created the correct healing that needed to be in place. The amends that needed to happen happened, but, um, yeah, she's life's a garden. Dig it. Right. In the immortal words of the great philosopher, Joe dirt, <laughs> This is just the way it is, guys. This is the human experience. You know, uh, you're not crazy. You know, if the enemy's trying to tell you you're crazy, you're not. You're not going crazy. Uh, you're just struggling, and everyone struggles, even though the enemy may have all these squeaky clean looking, you know, people around you, maybe some high horse Christians, and, you know, maybe you work next to somebody who's always got a pocket full of money and, and has no hesitation to pull it out to, you know, they'll, they'll pull, you know, $600 worth of money out of their pocket to pay for a 30 cent piece of gum or something, you know, just to, to flash their, their little money wad in their pocket and that sort of thing. Um, I think the enemy puts that stuff in front of us to just to antagonize us, you know what I mean, and just kind of kick us. Because that's about the best he can come up with. Think about that for a second. That is the best he can come up with. That's about how much power he's got right there. You know, you're over here struggling to pay your bills. you got to work with this guy. It seems like everything he touched turns to gold, and he's always got money in his pocket. That doesn't that doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change how much God loves you and the goodness of God, because God's still good. Just because this guy is living in some sort of financial blessing doesn't mean that he's not going to hell. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not the guy that puts people in heaven and hell, so I can't make that decision. But I don't know what's going on in his life. That wad of money may be the only thing he has in his entire life that he feels validated by. Because typically when I see stuff like that, the first thing I think is, oh, this person's very insecure. You know, or someone with a bunch of ego or someone who is, you know, constantly flaunting all their, their lavish cars and their boat and their river lot and, you know, their beach house and, you know, all this. You know, for some of those people, that's all they have. And guess what? They're not taking it with them when they die. We have eternal life. And we can have contentment and satisfaction right here on this earth and our bank account does not dictate that the amount of stuff we have does not dictate our happiness the bible says the joy of the lord is our strength but the difference between happiness and joy is you can have joy in the face of great adversity you can have peace in the midst of the storm peace that passes all understanding Happiness tends to come and go with good happenings in your life. If you get a raise at work, guess what? You're happy. You know, if you find a $100 bill on the ground, guess what? You're happy, at least for the moment. Happiness is always based around happenings in our life. Joy is something that we carry regardless of what's going on. It's not dictated by stuff. It's not dictated by who I'm friends with or what my social status is or, you know, whatever. Fill in the blank, you know. It's dictated by knowing that regardless of what hell I have to endure right now, God is still good. He is working all this hell I'm going through to my favor because he wants to grow me. And I obviously need to learn something through all this. And even if it's not some great learning experience, you're just suffering from the, you know, the bull butter of this world because God knows that, you know, this world just throws stuff at us left and right. He's still going to crawl inside of that and, and take what was meant for evil and use it for good. You know, but that good is not always dictated by what we say is good. It's not always dictated by a financial blessing or any kind of blessing. Maybe sometimes that good is just being able to stand in front of somebody 10 years later and say, hey, you know what? When my house burnt down and my husband was in a tragic car accident and we didn't think he was going to live and we didn't know how we were going to pay the bills and we had three, four kids in the house, I was able to look to heaven and smile and know that God still loves me and he is going to figure all this out somehow. I sat in a church service some, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago and heard that exact message brought by this sweet woman that went to our church and was like, 
who am I to think that I can't be persecuted? Who am I to think that bad things aren't going to happen to me? Because my behavior sure isn't going to you know, dictate any of that. It's just part of living in this world. But someday this world's going to pass, and we're going to spend all of eternity in the warm glow of the Father's love. If you have found value in this podcast, please consider giving to this ministry. The Truth Labyrinth is only one aspect of Restoration Ministries. We raise money regularly for needy people right here in our own community. Just this past Christmas season, we raised over $1,000 for a woman struggling with spinal cancer and was able to bring hope to someone who had lost all hope. Uh, We've bought handicap vans for the disabled. We paid utility bills for single moms. And uh, we've paid for hundreds of casual meals for those who were in need of one-on-one counseling, but uncomfortable with an office environment. Listen, guys, sometimes it's much easier for someone to open up and ask for help over a meal than it is to walk into a counselor's office and lay on a couch. God has and is using Restoration Ministries in ways that break traditional church protocol. I personally believe we have to earn the right to speak into someone's life, and it takes time to build those bridges, many times unraveling years of church hurt and dysfunction. This is what Christian ministries should look like in today's world. God should be glorified through our efforts to help the world around us, but it takes resources to do these things. For years, I've paid for a lot of these things out of my own pocket without hesitation. Or I've organized a benefit concert or some kind of fundraising campaign to provide these services for the people that God puts in my pathway. I will continue to give to these causes with everything that I have, but I need your support. It takes money and time to produce this podcast. Many hours go into praying over and organizing these messages. Not to mention actually recording the messages and all the post-production editing and stuff that needs to happen with that. This ministry isn't about building an empire. It's about connecting hungry hearts with the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have no aspirations of becoming some wealthy preacher or tycoon ministry leader. I am content with the world that I live in, and my little world is pretty peaceful and satisfying. I definitely don't need the drama that comes along with big ministry and tycoon leadership egos. I'm just trying to make my tiny little piece of the world better. I need your support. So please pray about supporting this ministry financially. I will post links in the notes of this podcast so that you can send your gift online. Next, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review so others can see what's going on here, especially your five-star reviews. Uh, The more you review us, the higher we rank in search listings, and this allows people to discover us easier. Finally, please pray for this ministry. Pray God will provide for our needs here at the Truth Labyrinth. Pray that God will bring this podcast across the screens of those that need to hear these messages. The Bible tells us that God's ear is upon the lips of the righteous. Guys, He hears our prayers. And we need His constant guidance for each and every podcast and everything that Restoration Ministries does. So pray that He uses this podcast to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh and that his truth will turn those hearts toward his eternal mercy and grace. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. My prayer is that it blessed you and brought you a fresh understanding of our lives in this world and our need for unity in Christ. A brush fire of revival in Jesus Christ is our only hope for satisfaction and true joy as we walk out the human experience that is our day-to-day lives. It's been my sincere honor to be your host today at the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. Be blessed and be a blessing to those around you. Till next time, I leave you with a scripture from Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. 
Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my God.